Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. Brendan Escott with you this afternoon and for the next two weeks as well as Bob enjoys some vacation time. We're in the down season. We're in the down season of hockey, but uh, we're finding things to talk about, aren't we? Oilers now brought to you by Digitex. Buy or lease your next office network printer from the Digitex.ca e-commerce store. No need to spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology, software, IT, and supplies. Keep in touch on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 7 8 0496-0063 and text us at 630-630. That is the Heartland Ford text line. If you think all dealerships are the same, think again. Experience buying a vehicle on your terms with no pressure at Heartland Ford. We are on Twitter at Oilers Now, at Bob underscore Stoffer, and at Brendan Escott. As promised, we are going to get into a conversation uh, that Bob had with Archie Henderson a couple of weeks back as he's the new director of pro scouting for the team under Ken Holland. Um, before that, though, I do want to remind you a typical Tuesday would feature Stoffer Inspector for the horses, Horse Racing Alberta, who remind you that the Century Mile Racetrack and Casino is open in Nisku and they are hosting the 90th running of the Canadian Derby on Sunday, August 18th. Without further ado, we will get back to some texts, uh, some calls, if you've got things to get off your chest. But uh, right now, we're going to go to Archie Henderson in conversation with Bob Stoffer. Last three years, you've been in our building more than any other pro scout, just so you know. Well, that's very nice of you to say that. I, well, I love coming to Edmonton. There you go. And now you have officially uh, come to Edmonton and in the role of uh, Director of Pro Scouting. We had Tyler on the show on Friday. Just a thought on this relationship that you've built with uh, Ken Holland and, and maybe why you guys are philosophically aligned. Well, actually, you know, it goes back a long ways. Um, I first met Ken Holland in about 1974, 75, when he was playing junior hockey in Medicine Hat, and I was playing in Lethbridge. And um, we weren't friends, I wouldn't say that, but as our careers went on through Major Junior and through the American League, he was always around and I was always kind of around. And then we played in Binghamton uh, together and we struck up a uh, uh, kind of a mutual friendship because of our of our uh, uh, passion for the game of hockey. And we became quite close at that time. Um, when he went on to his scouting career later on after playing with the Detroit Red Wings Farm Club in Adirondack, I uh, had played for another year, I believe, and then went on to play as well uh, and went into uh, scouting. And 
and um, our paths crossed many times early on in our career and we just sort of always were talking about hockey back and forth back and forth and four years ago he asked me to uh, come and work with him in Detroit and I did um, so I know him quite well uh, let me put it that way all right uh, it, just just before we get to how you maybe you see the game and 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 the importance of the role of pro scouts and that's we'd be remiss without talking about your junior career Uh you know, Archie. Let's face it. You were you were one of the legendary enforcers in the WHL, and I know you had some battles with the likes of Dave Semenko over the year. Very different game back then, wasn't it? I mean, there was, who's the guy out of Jasper that was with Medicine Hat back then as well that uh, came up with the Red Wings? Oh, is yeah. I- yeah, actually, his name was John Hillworth, and his nickname was Jasper. That's right. He played with Ken Holland with the Medicine Hat Tigers. Yeah. Yeah, the game the game has definitely changed as far as that part of it goes. But um, it's still a very, very competitive game. Uh, you want players that, that are coming to play uh, and compete hard every night. The, the other stuff, what we're talking about from back in that time, is not in the game uh, anywhere near what it was back then. And, and that's a good thing, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, did you, I mean, when you did that role, did you ever, you know, there was some, like George LaRock told me there was only a couple times he really couldn't, you know, sleep after a morning skate. And you were shuttling up and down between the minors and the pros. But is it like some guys actually like to fight? Uh, did you like doing that or was it just part of what you had to do to have a job? You know, it's a great question. It was actually part of what I had to do to have a job. Early on in my in my career, you know, I have to admit, yeah, I did like it. Um, but as time goes on, that wears off, obviously. Um, you know, you, 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 you get married, for example. You have children. And to be honest with you, at the end of my career, I just got tired of coming home with, with, with cuts on my face or black eyes and stuff like that. So you knew it was time to, to, to end your career career for myself anyways but there were there were guys i mean back in those days you bring up a, a legendary player in dave Semenko, who who was you know certainly one of the guys at the top of my list at that time for sure that you faced uh, on a night in night out basis and did i ever sweat and did i ever lose sleep absolutely every time that i played and especially later on in my career bob because there were players like bob probert was coming up the ladder and if you're a belt holder at any league and you're sort of the top of the, the food chain, these younger guys are looking to make a mark. And it, it, it becomes really tough at the end of it. Dave Semenko would have went through the same thing, I'm sure. Uh, and, and, and he would tell you if he was here with us, he'd tell you the same thing. But um, I don't regret anything I did. Uh, it was a way that I was able to stay in the game. And um, so we'll just leave it at that. Well, I, wish I-, that I, I wish that I could have been a 50-goal scorer, but I wasn't. Well, uh, hey. At least you played in the Western Hockey League. I lack the speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, character, and discipline to have made it to that level. I, what, what was it like? We'll get to the pro stuff in a second. What was it like playing against New West? Because, I mean, they had as tough a team as there was. And uh, for our listeners that don't know, at one point, New West's defense, when they had Barry Beck on D, they were bigger than the Philadelphia Flyers of the late 1970s. I mean, uh, those, you know, Punch McLean was their head coach. I, I can't imagine that was a great place to go into. 
Well, you know what? It, it, it wasn't. And I'll be honest with you. When I first played junior hockey as a 17-year-old, I really didn't have any aspirations, Bob, of, of being a professional hockey player. My mother and father had wanted me to go to university and wanted me to, to become a civic engineer, actually. And that was my plan. I was, I was actually a very good student in high school. And I got this letter to go try out for Lethbridge. And, and I went and I made the team. So I really didn't know anything about me. Westminster at the time and as we're going over the mountains and, and you know you would play Kamloops and then you would you would head into the Vancouver area to play in the Westminster a lot of the guys on the club like Brian Trotche, uh, Ron DeLorme uh, you know Lauren Mulliken was a goalie at that time these were sort of the older veteran guys they told me they said you know Archie you better be ready going into this rink in the new Westminster and I was thinking ah, how bad can it be you know, and and, and 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 as and as we're going up the winding road through 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 the New West uh, uh, Park, I forget what the name of the park was, but the arena, um, Queens Park, getting, Queens, Queens Park. Park, that's yep. right, and 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 literally, you could hear guys on the bus starting to get ill and starting to get starting to not feel good and 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 i'm i'm looking around i'm going what the heck like i you know this can't be that bad and we would get off the bus and, and we'd go into the dressing room very very quiet nobody said anything you'd be sitting there and and inevitably every game it seemed where somebody would open up their equipment bag and they would say oh my god i forgot my skates meaning that they didn't have to play that night so wow. my my first game i remember going out and warm up and um of course, in those days, uh, the, the, the New Westminster Bruins were totally black. Uh, their uniforms were black, their pants were black, their helmets were back, black, and they were skating around. You would skate around together and warm up, and they were basically telling you what they were going to do to you. And uh, it, it really was a scary environment. Myself, I'll be honest with you, I really didn't let it bother me. But I'll tell you, when I did line up on my red line to go in and shoot on our goalie, and two of their guys were in our line shooting on our goalie. And yeah, I did start to get a little bit afraid. That's crazy. Years later, uh, the Prince Albert Raiders stole other teams' nets, and that was it. Then only one team of the WHL uh, went on the ice for warm-up at once. Archie Henderson joining us. He's the Oilers' director of pro scouting. Uh, Archie, uh, and we've talked a lot over the years about Oilers prospects because you and John Van Boxmere are a couple guys in particular that I can think of that spent a lot of time. Because when I don't know if people are aware of this. You're not just scouting the NHL guys in your region. But you're also scouting the American Hockey League players as well. It's important to get a gauge at where you're at there as well. No, for sure. And I've been fortunate to be able to see a lot of the young kids that Edmonton has in the organization. I guess that's one advantage I'm going to have going in. Um, you know, there there has been, over the course of the years, a real lack of legitimate NHL prospects in the organization. And in the last couple of years, that has been uh, changed. And there are some young players that, that we do believe have good futures ahead of them, especially on the back end. I mean, you've got, you've got Caleb Jones, you've got Ethan Bear, you got Ladison, you got Bouchard, you got Samarukov. I mean, I, w- I would say that uh, in the American League level, as far as prospects go, those five may be as good as any other NHL team has playing in their system to develop them into NHL defensemen. Up front, you've got Tyler Benson, you've got Yamamoto, you got Marathi. There are uh, uh, good young players coming now, which is a real which is a real positive. And then, of course, with the uh, with the first round draft pick this year, everyone's got to be happy with that. 
Yeah. Uh, one final one for you. And, and Archie, if we get a chance, maybe closer to camp, maybe we can get you in studio uh, at the arena when you're uh, when you're rolling in Edmonton, maybe in late August, early September. But just to, uh, so you take over, Dwayne, Dwayne Sutter was the director of pro before. I know that the Oilers had a couple uh, pro, time, uh, pro scouts, Chris Chikaki, who you would have seen on the trails. He did mostly the West. Paul Messier, uh, who was based in Montreal, does the East. Have you made any... You know, I would say the orders were actually light in pro scouts. Have you discussed, Ken, sort of the concept moving forward with what you'd like out of your staff? Yes, we have, and and those decisions will all be made ultimately by by Kenny, uh, as far as adding people. Um, right now, it's status quo. Um, I mean, the guys are still under contract, obviously. So Chris Chris will be working in the West, and Paul will be working in the East. Scotty Housen is going to step up and do uh, uh, more pro scouting for us. Um, I will. I'll definitely be on the road a lot, um, covering off on a lot of those guys and also with an area that I will be taking care of as well. Um, but I will have to spend time with the big club and the minor league team as well. We're sort of going through that right now, Bob, as far as team assignments and stuff like that for each and every scout. But I do know that um, uh, our coverage uh, moving forward is going to be quite a lot heavier uh, maybe than it has in the past. And I have talked to Kenny about about coverage not just in North America but worldwide because we need to uh, make sure that we cover or we turn over every stone uh, and there are so many different leagues uh, uh, not just in North America but in Europe where we uh, have to find a player and as you know you've been around the Oilers for a long time pro scouting is a little bit of a different gig because you're really looking for undervalued players and you're looking for that you know that one guy that's a needle in the haystack and the only way you can do that is by having proper coverage across the board. Archie, uh, appreciate your time. Uh, your living testament to that when you made your way down to Lethbridge last year for the University Cup. Uh, let's touch base down the road, okay? Sounds great, Bob. Thanks for having me off, uh, on, and I look forward to seeing you and spending time. Director of Pro Scouting, Archie Henderson there in conversation with Bob Stoffer. Uh, I do want to quickly sneak this in. Dino Bambino was listening. He wants to know what the difference between an assistant and an associate coaches. I encourage you to look online. If you have the answer to this, please text me at 630-630. The best I can provide you, Dino, is this. I believe an associate is more of a clear-cut second in command. He would probably have a little more say in the meetings, a little more control over strategy, and he probably gets paid a little bit more. He's going to be someone more established than an existing assistant coach might be, and that is what they have in Jim Playfair. 119 in Edmonton. We'll press pause back with more of your text messages. You guys are hot on the Yes Apoyarvi topic. Brendan Escott in today on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. A typical Tuesday would feature Mark Spector. He is brought to you by the horses. Horse Racing Alberta, who present the 90th running of the Canadian Derby Sunday, August 18th at the Century Mile Racetrack and Casino down in Nisku. It's back on vacation. Bob on vacation. The text line and those contributing to it. Well, if they're on vacation, 
they're not checked out of hockey at all. Lots of stuff coming in on Yesapoyarvi out of Grand Prairie. Uh, if uh, if he goes to Finland versus a terrible trade, I'm cool with that. But I think Brendan Lemieux is a fair trade for the Rangers. They have major money issues. Lemieux is going to want more than Poyarvi. Poyarvi is a right shot and bigger with pedigree. But yes, it's hard to say if both teams might want that deal. I think the Oilers would would clearly like if you're going to have a player that's actually suiting up in orange and blue, then you're already doing better than you would have if you had Yessi as part of the the organization moving forward. Um, it's just a matter of which team is going to want to take on what now has to be really considered a fair amount of calculated risk. Obviously, the potential is there or was there for '98 to be a great player. It's just a matter of which GM thinks that they're going to be able to make that fit. I genuinely believe he needs to be on a team with another young Finn as somebody who can help bridge the language barrier, somebody who he can associate with, make him feel more acclimated to the North American culture. I don't know if we really saw that here in Edmonton because what the other Finn on the team was Miko Koskinen, and you're talking about a pretty significant age gap there. Two guys at very different stages of their lives. So if you're talking about the off-ice issues, if you will, that plagued them, I think a lot of that would be alleviated if he gets to go play somewhere with somebody that he's either already familiar with or can go get familiar with. Cobra Dan says, Puyarvi hasn't performed well enough to demand a trade. Why should Holland trade him at this lowest value point? Well, that, that was the difference between uh, Daryl Cates hiring somebody who is uh, an up-and-coming general manager or somebody with experience. This is a situation that I think we can all agree is it, it needs experience in order to, to be handled. And Ken Holland is bringing that, and Ken Holland is standing his ground. Barhead Texter says, uh, I think there's only one way to handle JP. Unless somebody wants to make that deal that will benefit the Oilers, just let them play in Europe. Mr. Holland will do this right. So resoundingly on the text line, we're seeing a lot of people displaying confidence in how Holland has handled this situation. And, and that's encouraging. It's nice to, to see this not just filled up with a bunch of negativity all the time. So uh, for sure, Ken Holland, at least in my opinion anyway, is doing everything that he can to make sure that he doesn't lose an asset thanks to how the asset is behaving. Uh, Tim from Edmonton says, to me it looks like Jesse was not willing to pay his dues in Bakersfield. He needed to stay in Bakersfield until he dominated at that level. All indicators from his camp made it sound like he was not willing to put in the time down there, so he didn't reach his full potential. I say let him sit in Finland for the season. Well, you're getting the impression right now, as am I, that that is the popular opinion. If if he's going to go over there and do his thing and that's what they feel is best for his career, then let it happen. Now, this one. I've been saving it. Out of Edmonton. How come the Toronto Maple Leafs have had great success during the past three seasons while bringing up several young players on both offense and defense, but the Oilers haven't? Allow me a second to climb up onto my soapbox, please. Okay. I really believe that when you have a bunch of young players in the room, you need to have veteran insulation. You need to have quality, level-headed, experienced kinds of guys who are willing to step up and be vocal leaders. I don't want to discredit someone like Milan Lucic, but I don't believe 
that things that I've just described were the case in Edmonton's room. I do believe that Patrick Marlowe was instrumental to that team's success in Toronto over the past couple years. If you disagree with me, let me know why at 6.30-6.30. I don't believe for one second that you can make the transition to this league without somebody helping you along the way off the ice. And I really think that that's what the difference has been in Edmonton. I think Lucic was very caught up in trying to get his own game back to where he wanted it to be, to where the fans expected it to be. And that took away from what he was able to provide to anybody who came up and put on orange and blue for a night here in Edmonton. That's where I stand on it. There wasn't enough positive influence to say what needed to be said in the room, whatever that might have been for whatever individual player. But the Oilers, to me... In my opinion, didn't have a Patrick Marlowe. They didn't. They're a young core. We know that. I believe that some of their young leaders will get to that point, to where they need to be. But the last couple of years, that hasn't been available to the players that needed it. And that's why there hasn't been the kind of success in Edmonton that they've seen in Toronto. Obviously, the moves that Peter Shirelli made in thinning out the depth of this team didn't help anything, but I promise you that that one of the major contributing factors was that they didn't have their version of a Patrick Marlowe in Toronto. That, to me, is the answer to that question to the texter out of Edmonton. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.